Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 94 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. Well, it's everywhere around you and likely within you. And if you're a leader, you're even more susceptible to having it. It's shame. And we're going to talk about how it affects leadership in this episode. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast. With your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to episode 94. I'm your co-host, Larry Gates, along with... Armin Asadi. Armin, fist bump me, buddy. How are you? Fantabulous. It feels like it's been forever since we... (laughs) we That was our first fist bump ever in the entire history of Reinventure Me. Is that right? 94 plus episodes here. That was our first fist bump. That's our first fist bump? Seriously? We just got to a whole new cool factor. My kids are going to give me grief now because (laughs) I... Fist bumped. Dad, you're too old to be fist bumping, right? No such thing. <laughs> well, welcome to this episode of Reinventure Me. This is a podcast about what's next in life, even if it may be a fist bump. <laughs> and we're here to help you discover new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, adventures God's called you into. We want to help you be a stronger leader. We want to help you look at opportunities that are maybe right in front of you and take advantage of them and figure out how can you make the most of every opportunity. You'll find the show notes for this episode at reinventure.me slash nine four because we're getting up to triple digits here soon. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's so crazy. I still haven't gotten over that. Yeah. I've been saying that since episode 78. Right. <laughs> well, I think we had, didn't we do a, we did a high five, I think, in episode 50. <laughs> Maybe. <yeah. laughs> hey, evolution of this show. Might have done one for my birthday episode. I think we did one for your birthday episode. Something like that. Anyway. Hey, I have an announcement to make. And, you know, we're getting close to the end of the year. Yes. And it's a time when we take a look back on what's happened in the year and we go, ah, next year is going to be my year, you know? Right. And if that's you, if you've got something that you have been wanting to to get out there and just haven't made progress with it, well, I believe that God has birthed a bold idea inside of everyone. And just last week, I mean, I announced, by the time this comes out now, it'll be three weeks ago, <laughs> but I announced the Bold Idea Workshop, which is a rebranding of what we used to call Dream Intensive, but now right. it's called Bold Idea Workshop. And we are doing them again in February, mm-hmm. and we're going to do them in Minneapolis and Denver like we did last year. But now we're also going out to the San Francisco Bay Area. So for all of our audience listeners who are out <laughs> in the Bay Area, we're going to be in Danville in February, and we're going to be in Denver in Minneapolis. And this is your opportunity if you have something in mind, even if you don't. You know, 40% of the people that come to our workshops have no idea what their idea is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they come because they just want to unearth what God might be doing inside of them. And so... We do these workshops every February. That time is coming up. And uh, so take a look. Go to our website, boldideaworks.com. And when you come, you'll qualify possibly for uh, an application to the Bold Idea Foundation and maybe get your idea or your dream funded a little Ooh. bit. So kind of fun. Dangling some money out mm-hmm. there, huh? Well, you know, sometimes yeah. you have to buy things. I like it. <laughs> 
wasn't gotta going buy there. love. You know? <laughs> no, I wasn't going there. Just saying, it's a great deal. And are you doing all the San Francisco stuff during the winter months? I assume. Yes, all three are in February. The last three weekends of February will be in Minneapolis, Denver, and San Francisco. Oh, you're so. traveling. Yeah, that. we are. It's going to be great. Wow. Be I, this is one of the f- most fun times I have. You know, to get a front row seat of seeing people with an idea that come alive, and it's like amazing. I mean, it just really is amazing. It's transformational. I mean, it really is the kind of stuff that we try to talk about here in the podcast is yeah. how do you make a difference? How do you do something different? And I tell you, I, I have the most fun at those workshops. So I bet you're always charged up after. Oh, yeah. Charged <laughs> up in in an in unbelievable way. So yeah, check it out. BoldIdeaWorks.com. Now, let's get inspired, Armin. Let's do this. All right. So Inspire Me for today is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said... Mr. Inspiration himself. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Along with four other people we've said Anani. that about. <laughs> 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 He's our favorite. <laughs> so he says, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's right. You There's <laughs> so much potential, right? right? It's good. And it's really quite a good inspire me for this topic because, you know, I mean, it's been a full year. It's crazy. I'm going on my personal planning retreat next weekend. Oh, man. Not I this see. coming weekend, but the following weekend. I still so, haven't done again, it that'll be like three weeks before everybody hears this. But when I did that last year, you know, we came back and we did that episode. Yeah that we entitled The One Thing Guaranteed to Hold You Back. And it was really about my own experience with the confrontation and the shame in my own life, mm-hmm. right? That became our second most popular downloaded episode for the year. Yeah. And followed only by the persistent resistance one. I think, you know, anything that's going to hold us back from what we really want, yeah. we need to understand that. That's right. And, and just being aware of it is so key because you know exactly what to scale or how to scale it. Yeah. Well, we're going to dive into shame again today. It's a tough and I'll topic. Tell you, it is a tough topic. And even in the midst of all the shame that I was carrying that I really got a handle on in that last episode that we talked about or a year ago, (laughs) episode 48, even in the midst of me processing all of this, I remember people talking about shame and I had a guy even invite me to attend a workshop on shame. I had no interest in it. Hmm. It was one of those, you know, it's kind of like you don't want to admit what you have. Right. Because you're like, I didn't, you know, this isn't, uh, you want to separate yourself from it. Just feels like something you just need a shower yeah. with yeah. after you do it, you know? Oh, I totally Because there's just like this, why go there if you don't need to? Let's talk about happy thoughts, you know? Let's, let's do right. some happy stuff. Oh, absolutely. But I'll tell you, if we want to make, take advantage of the influence that God has given us, the gifts that we have, and really take advantage of the opportunities that we have in front to lead and to influence others, to follow mm-hmm. with what God has put inside of us and inspire others as well, we've got to understand what this is all about. We've got to understand how it affects leadership. Yeah. And leadership, a lot of times, is just how you influence people to take them where not just where they want to go, but where the organization is heading. Or yeah, the team or, is. and really what's best for the way they're wired and the way the company is wired in the mission. It's got to be both of those integrated together. I agree right. with that. Well, we need to do something a little bit differently here in terms of how we set this up. Usually we do a challenge at the end, but I think we decided to do something different here this time, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so here is the challenge that we're going to throw out to you guys, and here's the reason we're throwing it to you right now instead of towards the end, but we will come back to this. But because shame is such a difficult and deep-rooted topic for so many people, here's the challenge. is As you listen to this episode, think about what strikes a chord in you as we cover different aspects of this topic. 
And then ask yourself what matches your experience and why is it triggering something in you as we're talking about these. And the reason we're asking that we'll get to because this is really important. Yeah. As a pastor, my church says when he wants to make a point, he says, lean in here. You know, it's kind of like we're all sitting in the, we're all sitting in the congregation, like all leaning in, you know, let's huddle up, let's listen in. (laughs) I think that's, that's really a good challenge right off the bat. Let's have sensitive ears to this because even though it might be a topic that we may not want to really think about, it is one of those things that really can affect us. Now let's talk about what is shame here. First of all, we've got to kind of get back to that. Yeah. So, you know, we first brought up shame back in episode 48 and we really talked about it being the belief that you're fundamentally defective, that there's something wrong with you. And it differs from guilt, and that guilt is is that you've done something wrong, so you feel bad about having done something wrong. But shame is that sense that you're utterly broken and defective. Now, in reality, there's a part of us that all of us have brokenness. That's what sin is all about. Right. But shame goes a little bit beyond that in that it tries to validate, and it tries to always cover that up. That's yeah. why... Adam and Eve, in their shame, tried to cover themselves and by hide. hiding. Yeah, and so we do that same sort of thing. And it's and there's an aspect of shame that's within all of us. So we're not really talking about shame on you as if you're the only one that ever has it, right? right. But it's something that is a part of where we are, and it's important for us to think about that as leaders because it really affects leadership. I was thinking about this the other day as I was observing some leaders who I think were acting out of shame to draw Mm. attention to themselves. Interesting. And it was a little bit disturbing in how far they went in terms of really putting out the need to be validated by basically criticizing other people because they didn't validate them. And when I saw that, I recognized it because it's the kind of thing that I probably have done to lesser measures, but it's certainly something I recognize the temptation for in the and the yearning and the longing for just wanting to be accepted. Right. But leaders are particularly prone mm-hmm. to shame and the the issues of shame, I think for for three reasons. First of all, by definition, you know, leaders are putting themselves out there. You know, they're the ones that have to lead others, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of like that t-shirt the guy has that says or the hat, you know, you might have seen Armin where it says, "Where are they? Which way did they go? I must find them. I'm their leader." You know. <laughs> <laughs> just, I haven't. Have but that's that? funny. No, yeah. I haven't. So, you know, when a leader by definition is judged by the people that follow them, right? Yeah. And what happens when a leader has nobody following him? Oof. Yeah. You know, what does that say about you? You suck, you know, <laughs> as a leader. <laughs> well, you know, I have been doing consulting for 20 years. Yeah. And when I sell consulting services, fundamentally, I'm selling me. Mm. And when somebody doesn't buy the product, hard well, that not. reflects on me personally. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard like not to take it personal. It's, I, it's just business. I, I am the business. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. You can't really separate the fact that maybe they're not ready for it yet, or it might be about them. But when there's a no and you're the product, then you feel very much like you're defective. Right. And it's very much the center of shame where it's like there's something fundamentally wrong with me. So you start doing all kinds of gyrations to make that happen. And what ends up happening is that when you fear that you're broken Mm -hmm. like that as a leader in shame and nobody's following you, they don't give you any respect, you know, like Rodney Dangerfield. I I can't get no respect, you know. When you have that kind of sense, of, you start to engage in behaviors that distance yourself from them even further. Yeah, yeah. You start to be like a bad leader, a bad boss. Right. Because now everybody sees it, and it's right, right out there in the open. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, leaders are susceptible to that because they put themselves out there and they're judged by the people that lead them. But I think also leaders are the ones that are susceptible to criticism. They're the ones that, you know, the ideas are, they're having to advance an idea. And, you know, that's one of the things that happens. You know, yeah. now, Armin, how many quarterbacks are there in the NFL? Uh, how many teams are there? 32? 32. 32. All right. So I'm now you're trying to count up the divisions. <laughs> all right. You got it. But you knew how to do that, right? So, so you know, there are 32 at least starting quarterbacks in yes. the NFL, right? Okay. Yes. So 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, here's the next question. Do the math on this one. How many Monday morning quarterbacks are there? Oh, geez. I know the question behind that. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, the point is, is that there's always going to be more critics yeah. than there are leaders. Yeah. Absolutely. And leadership, by definition, invites critique. Yeah. But we see this right now in the Republican and Democratic primaries, right? right. I mean, the, all the contenders for presidential election, they're getting critiqued from every which direction, right? right. From yeah. each other, from even their own team critiques them, right? If you're a leader, your primary responsibility is to create change. Mm-hmm. And guess what? People don't like change. No, especially in our culture. Yeah. And it's so much easier to critique and to put criticism in front of somebody than it is to offer a solution. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that old saying, you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Right. Right. Well, leaders are susceptible, I think, to shame because the criticism that they get. Yep. And they need to prove it. And it's a crucial part of leadership, too, is you have to be able to ask and receive that criticism. That's what makes you a better leader. Exactly. But exactly. how do you <laughs> right? How do you ask for criticism when you know you're a terrible leader? Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> mostly if you're a terrible leader, you aren't asking for criticism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, then finally, I think the third thing is that leaders, they have a disproportionate influence on others. You know, when you're a leader, your voice is powerful. People pay attention to the voice of the boss that has carries extra weight. And oftentimes you'll find in politically charged cultures where someone will use someone else's name as a way to endorse their idea. Sure. You know, yeah. uh, the CEO, John, I'm on good t- speaking terms with John. Yeah. That's the way he wants it, you know? And so your, your voice has a strong effect. And if your team is not doing well, it has an impact on you. I, I was talking to somebody today, Armin, mm-hmm. and we were talking about a financing operation and they mentioned somebody else who led a company who could not get any more financing because of the way he led the company disenfranchised any investor from possibly investing again. Oh, wow. So you see leaders, if they don't lead well, yeah. can be stuck with the stigma of once a bad leader, always a bad leader, which right. I don't think is true, no. but you are very vulnerable as a leader in that respect. Yeah. So shame has that, and and I think it can be particularly challenging for leaders. I mean, it's like being put under a microscope the instant you become it a is. leader. Yeah, yeah. You can't hide. Yeah, and of course, the more prominent leader you are, the the more eyes that are looking at you. Yeah. You know? And that's not a reason not to be a leader, and it, it is a reason why a lot of people don't go into leadership or yeah. don't allow themselves to think of themselves as leaders, but you can be very vulnerable to it. And it's this topic of shame is really important when it comes to leadership. So it's important to look at that, and we need to know how shame can affect us, and it can affect us in several ways. Here's one. Shame distorts reality. This is what I saw when I saw this particular leader respond the way that he did. What shame does is it amplifies criticisms, and it mutes praise or mutes any affirmations that you might get. And when you distort that, when reality is distorted and you start hearing criticism where there isn't, Mm -hmm. you start multiplying critics where they're not. 
<laughs> so people it's who so would true. be neutral toward you, right? All of a sudden, you think they are your enemy or adversary, and you, you yeah. yeah, and then you start behaving again in such a way to try to validate yourself, you know? Yeah, and you live in this almost paranoia as a leader that you can't bring an idea across that other people won't find to be critical. And that's because you've amplified reality and made more critics yeah. than you actually have. I love what Robert Orban said. <laughs> he wrote, sometimes I get the feeling that the whole world is against me, but deep down, I know that's not true. Some of the smaller countries are neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Has any other president other than Gerald Ford had a comedian be a part of their speech yeah. or what speech, a, writing speech writing team? Yeah, I don't know. That's I so, don't know. I love that guy. Anyway, sorry, that was a <laughs> random question. Keep going. One of the things that can happen is that you start to multiply your critics. And the other thing that shame does is it lessens your voice. When you are a leader, you, you, know, you have a strong voice. And what ends up happening is when you feel the need to validate yourself, you're either going to start raising your voice, and I don't mean necessarily you're yelling or anything, but you start asserting authority. Mm -hmm. And you make it my way or the highway kind of dialogue. Sure, yeah. Or you withdraw altogether. And so you play these games where you try to manipulate people based on your behavior mm -hmm. rather than in the way in which you can influence around an idea or the way in which you might develop someone. And it's all born because you're trying to get them to validate you as a person. And that's what right. shame always does. Yeah. Shame's always like, I, I need to be validated that I'm okay. So yeah. if you ever do anything or don't align with my idea that I'm okay or my need to be okay, yeah. then I have to resort to other behaviors to get you to conform sure, yeah. to that. Yeah, that's what uh, John Maxwell calls positional leadership. Yeah. That you lead based yep. on your, your position. Your, your power. Ra yeah, rather yep. than your influence right. and rather than your trust that you've built with your team and your influence over them and so on and so yep. forth. Yeah. Yeah. It's also really a shame <laughs> if I want to say it that way. <laughs> but shame makes you less likely to build into others because yeah. you're so worried about yourself. It is all about and you. It is all about you. You know, and Bob Riskin once said, a man wrapped up in himself makes a small package. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that's really what it is. And the wound of shame really diverts energy away from developing other people. And, and then when we do develop others, if we do it out of shame, that what we're really trying to do is get affirmation for being a good developer. So we want to, we want to be known as the mentor, you know, and right. we want other people to be doting on us and we want that affirmation again. And when they don't, then we get angry or if they don't take our advice and we get angry because sure. it doesn't validate us as a person. And yeah. so oftentimes people try to help others with the attitude of trying to fix them. Mm -hmm. And when you approach somebody else trying to fix them with that idea that I can fix them and what's going on with them, there might be shame driving that intention because it might be that what you really want is not them to be fixed as much as them to acknowledge that you were the one that fixed them. Your awesomeness. You, you are awesome. You know what? The hard thing about leadership is a lot of times what good leadership looks like is the person that is quick to take the blame and pass on the credit for something being done well, right? And you hear that often. Mm -hmm. But the hard part about that is when you're always taking the blame. And if you're not taking the blame in a, from a place that says, I'm comfortable with who I am, I'm confident in my ability, 
and you get that comfort and confidence from the people around you. You know, they respect you, they admire you because you always put them in a place that says you trust them, that you listen right. to them, that right. you're building them, that you're there for them. It's all about the, the, the people that are around you. And it's hard to get into that place when your leadership is from a place of shame because every time you fail, the first place you go to is shame, right? Right. And you, it's hard to eat that. It's so hard it to swallow that. You, so the first thing you do is externalize it and say, ah, it's his fault. Yeah. <laughs> Shame-based people feel victimized. Absolutely. Yeah. Or they become tyrannical. You know, they feel the need to hyper-control. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing, Armin, that shame does is it harbors grudges. And that hits home for me. Yeah. Well, it's, this is a really, I think, important point about shame Mm -hmm. is that people who come from a paradigm of shame and have a lot of shame based thinking Mm -hmm. see betrayal and broken relationships as permanent, permanent. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's eternal season. Well, they're unreconcilable. Yeah. You know, because when you've done something to offend me or betray me or whatever, you are digging into the very sore spot that's in my life. And yeah. it's like you are saying to me, the shame-based person, you are saying, I agree with that thing that's wrong with mm-hmm. you. And not only do I agree with it, but I'm going to amplify it even more. Yeah. And so when we are attacked like that, the natural mechanism is to defend ourselves. And mm-hmm. the way in which... We often defend ourselves when we come from a shame-based perspective as we build a wall. Yeah. And shame-based people rarely, rarely take the first move in reconciliation. Yeah, I know I don't a lot of times. I mean, that, this is a huge deal for me. It's, I, it's I, a wound. It's a deep wound. Yeah, that's. I, it's funny because uh, in my, my faith journey, of all my greatest struggles, it's been forgiveness because of that shame. I just hold grudges. Like I, I can hold them for 100 years and not bat an eye, you know? Yeah, for sure. And... And we all carry, you know, some of the shame that keeps us from doing that. And there is no reconciliation possible without entering into someone else's perspective about what happened. It's hard to do when all you spend your time doing is defending yourself. And if you're highly shame-based and you really want to get affirmation about who you are, Mm -hmm. you're not interested in in entering into somebody else. You have to take a conscious decision to do that. You have to decide, I am not going to operate from a paradigm of shame. Yeah. And the, the relationship is more important than my paradigm of shame. And yet, that is often so not the case. The funny thing is, when you come from that mindset, even when you're not defending yourself in front of that person, you role play the idea of having to defend yourself to the person so often. It's conflict that's never going to happen, but you've role played it in your head so many times. Yeah, that's a great point. You can't even take a second to take their perspective in. You can't, well, because also they don't even need to say anything. You've already figured out all the things that they could possibly (laughs) say. You've already fought them for three weeks. Well, that comes back to that earlier point about shame distorts reality in that they may not be a critic, but you think they are. And so you role play all the different ways they're going to criticize you. And pretty soon, basically you hate them because they're criticizing you, but it's not them that's criticizing you. It's your imagination about how they might be criticizing you. Yeah. You put this lens on your eyes that says, okay, this person thinks this of me without you having any other facts. Right. And every time you see them, every eyebrow raised or every time they look at you from the corner of their eye, you automatically assume, oh, there it is. There, yeah, you see that. You, what is? Yeah, or they don't respond in some way. You know, yeah. they maybe you send them an email, they don't get back to you in ten minutes. Yeah, you know? or it's three word response like, "Oh, what? he hates me." I yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. And when we get into that, that's where we 
do ourselves a disservice. Sure, right? yeah. And speaking of disservice, I think one of the biggest disservices that we do is that we really derail what's best for the team. When we're yeah. uh, leading in shame, all the focus is on ourselves and our needs, and we become an egocentric leader, right? And I've seen this, and I'm sure you have, Armin, that political battlegrounds in corporations are so often centered around egocentric leaders who need to somehow prove to the world that they are God's gift. Mm-hmm. And they have to be the smartest person in the room. Right. And anytime you're with someone who clearly drives attention to themselves as being the smartest person in the room, you can bet underneath that veneer of confidence is deep-seated shame. Yeah. Because they're, they're just not comfortable in themselves. Mm-hmm. And they have to get validation from outside the world to do that. That's the... Yep. Well, I don't know. We, doing that. we covered a lot of stuff here. It might feel like we're in a deep pit here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like we do need that shower. I know, right? <laughs> we need something to step out of. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think a good way to do it is I, I think we've we've done a lot to create awareness around this topic. And the purpose behind that isn't that we're trying to create shame in a shame topic, right? Where we're just right, trying to exactly. create awareness. But now what do we do with that awareness? What's the next step? And I think that's what we're getting to right now. Well, I like to think of AAA here as one way that we can think about creating shame resilience. Right. Because like I said, I don't think you can fully get rid of shame, but you can become aware of it and you can allow it not to be the driver for you. Yeah. And so the AAA here is the three A's. The first one is assess. Mm-hmm. Take the steps that you need to develop awareness about when shame hits you. And I mean, your challenge at the top of the episode was basically that. As we talk about this, yeah. What do you relate to? Yeah. You you create awareness in where you might be vulnerable mm-hmm. to shame's effect in your leadership. Uh, so that's a SAS. Number two. Well, before you, yeah, we go even ahead. go to number two, I would say I think the hardest thing for me, and, I, and, and if anybody relates with this shame topic as much as I did, is personally, I lived in a state of denial for so long oh, yeah. that even trying to become aware or being able to realistically self-assess myself, it was borderline impossible because every time I would become quote-unquote aware of something and I would start assessing it in myself, rather than saying, okay, that is what I do, I would immediately say, no, screw that externalize it, blame someone, blame (laughs) something. And it doesn't always have to be someone, right? It could be not enough money, not enough time, not enough this or too much of that. That's that's really good you brought that up because my reaction was almost the opposite. My reaction was, man, I am really screwed up here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, this is really bad. (laughs) And so what I end up doing is when I see the shame, I pile more shame on it. Sure. There's no fixing this, right. right? You're in the abyss. I'm in the abyss. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, I was in, and, in false reality. <laughs> which I think, you know, is probably one of the reasons why I wanted to avoid it to begin with. Sure, because yeah. I didn't want to have, you know, who wants to feel crummy about themselves? You accept the one thing you accept it all. You yeah, can't just I mean, accept the pieces. Who wants to accept that they're broken? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of the state of man to be broken, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's a great great point you're making we'll either either, you know deny it and externalize it or we take it inside and and we hyper become hyper vigilant about shame and then all of a sudden there's no breaking it no but if you take a look at it and you assess it as you would say look let me be a scientific observer of my behavior let me not 
ascribe goodness and badness to stuff. But right. let me just say, this is not helpful yes. to get me where I want to go. Right. This behavior is counterproductive in all the ways we just talked about. It's counterproductive in terms of where we want to go. That's yes. the kind of assessment we're talking about. Yeah, and it's so powerful. It's yeah. so powerful. Yeah, it is. That's the beginning, at least. Yeah, it is. The second A that I want to talk about in the triple A was accept. And this is where you get to this place where you accept something about yourself. You accept the way that you are, and you accept that I can move from this fixed mindset paradigm. You know, we talked way back in episode four. You know, we've stopped bringing up episode four about 30 episodes ago, right? We used to bring it up almost every oh, episode. Oh, is that the mindset That's one? the yeah. mindset yeah, 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 episode, okay. right? like, Wait, what was that one? I'm starting to forget them, Larry. This is know, bad. It's like way back. Right? We're having senior moments already. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> I found a great I'll, I'll arm wrestle you for a senior moment. <laughs> So back in episode four, we talked about mindset fixed and growth mindsets. And yeah. so an acceptance is to, is to start shifting into a growth mindset. Okay, I'm accepting where I am today, but mm-hmm. I don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to get worse. Yeah. I can get better. When I described episode 48, that's what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And that experience that I had in my last planning retreat was to reach that point of acceptance, yeah. which was huge for me. You know, here's, I think, the hardest part of acceptance that anyone who hears that struggles with the shame issue the hardest part of acceptance is i think we automatically go into this mindset that says we have to accept that we are this person that we are this terrible leader that we are this fill in some negative comments of descriptor of my character right right when in reality that's not the acceptance that we're talking about saying this is what you've done but here's what you could be it's not it's not who you are it's just what has played out based on something else. Yeah. And I like Anne Lamott's definition of forgiveness, which we've talked about before. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of having had a better past. Mm. And that's part of that acceptance, right? That you know that, hey, that's where I have been. Mm. And I'm going to forgive myself for that. I, I don't need to hope for a better past. Yeah. I can move forward with where I'm at, right? Oh, that's such a good... I don't think you've ever said that one Really? Before, have you? Yeah. Cause that, that, let's go back and listen to all the episodes and find out. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I'm okay. I listened to them enough. All right. We'll leave it for our listeners to let us know whether we said that before. <laughs> okay. So third A, getting on with this. So we've got assess, we've got accept, and the last one's ask. ask. Now the one thing, now here's the really th- challenging thing. Mm. People in shame-based perspectives often don't ask no. and put themselves in the posture of a learner. Sure. Because they are trying to convince others that they're something yeah. as a way of proving to themselves that they are. When we ask, when we get a posture of being a learner, mm-hmm. then we become more shame resilient. We're like, everybody has something that I can learn from. Mm-hmm. And I think the hard part, again, for people like me who come from that shame background, I think the hard part of asking is a lot of times you're not ready to accept it, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not ready to accept the type of criticism that you might hear or have someone point to something that's, I mean, it's you'd rather get shot than to hear mm-hmm. something that says you're a bad leader or you're whatever, right? And I think here's how I would get around it when, when I had to do it. You have to be vulnerable. It's so weird. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, my God. I And I, you literally, you feel insecure. You feel like a child, but it's okay because it's worth it, right? It's about the outcome. The process creates an outcome that's so worth it. You become such a stronger, better person than you ever thought you could be. Right. But that thing is, is you can put parameters around asking. You can say, I'm asking 
here's why it's difficult for me to ask and here's how I need this conversation to go take it easy on me this is my yeah, first yeah, time yeah. doing it you, you don't have to just ask and stand there naked ready right. to be shot right you know but it is it is a courageous step to ask those questions and really i think you almost have to come through this point of being willing to accept mm-hmm. what you hear like, yes if you can't it's going to be really hard cuz you'll be defensive and you won't uh, you won't receive it well right you know we've talked about these three things assess accept and ask and we presented them sequentially but i think really they need to think of them as being integrated you know mm-hmm. you, you, they're not one follows the other they right. all three need to be practiced so we come to the end of the episode and uh, this is the time we normally do the challenge me but let's let's throw that back i mean let's let's go back to where we were yeah so from the beginning what was the thing that stood out to you the most as we were going through this process of talking about what it looks like how does it come out and as we were going through that process what was the thing that stood out to you the most? And more importantly, why? Mm. And I think that's a great place to start in this uh, self-assessment side of things. Yeah, that's good. And now why we do all this is because what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters to compare to what lies within us. So right. Back our, our, our Inspire Me quotes. Right. Well, that's all the time that we have for this episode. We sure hope you enjoyed it. We know that it was perhaps a little bit of a deep dive into this topic of shame, but we hope that you came up with something that you could take away for yourself to improve your own leadership and maybe to be a little bit more compassionate toward leaders that yeah. are difficult to deal with themselves, knowing that this is probably what's going on inside of them. We'd love to get your comments on this show and leave them for us at reinventure.me slash nine four or call our show line at six one two three one four five four four zero. So that's all the time that we have and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. <laughs>